This is the Ironside Podcast with Brett Kane, and joining me today is a man who needs no introduction, Mr. Eli Crane. Eli, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brett. I appreciate it. So give us just a a thumbnail. I know you have a a resume that's a mile long and a mile deep, but just a snapshot of of who you are and and what you're about, please. Yeah. um, So I I would say like the wave tops that um, I would say that, you know, there's the good, the good, the good wave tops. And then there's the bad ones, you know, we can cover either one you want to talk about, but uh, is, is, I would say most, I think people are most familiar with me uh, being a former Navy SEAL, uh, being an entrepreneur, being, you know, being on Shark Tank and uh, now running for Congress. I'm also a brand ambassador for Six Hour Firearms, which is one of the cool, probably the coolest job I've ever had. So um, that's pretty cool as well. And and I'm a not not last or least, but I'm a Christian. I'm a uh, a family man. I've been married uh, for 16 years to my wife Jen, and uh, we have two daughters, a 14 year old and a 10 year old. And those are are great ages. And you know, one of the things that I, I think a lot of people take for granted is having a husband and a wife who love each other and and stick together because in your profession and and certainly generally that's uncommon. Yeah. You know, um, it, it is. And, uh, in the, in the SEAL teams, we have about a 95% divorce rate. Um, I know entrepreneurship isn't much better than that. And so, um, I'm grateful that, that, you know, that, that God had the woman that he had for me and I'm grateful that we've worked it out. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful that I haven't screwed it up too much, you know, at times, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a real blessing. It hasn't always been easy. And, uh, I, I like to talk about, you know, the, the blessing that marriage is and that, that my wife has been to me, but I also like to talk about my failures as well, because I think that, I think that that's where the, the real gold is. And I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of guys out there that, um, you know, probably at times find themselves in the same boat that I was. And, and, uh, you know, I want, want people to know that there is help. There is, uh, there is hope. And, uh, often that it's not in the places that a lot of people look. So, yeah. So you've talked about this a a little bit on on other shows, but when, when you and Jen met and and then got married, uh, there was a lot going on, you know, with with your career, with your deployments, uh, you know, being newlyweds, how how was that uh, transition for you? You know, it was interesting for me because uh, my wife and I, we started dating the weekend before I left uh, Florida I was on a ship out there called the USS Gettysburg and uh, right before I left to come back to San Diego to start steel training for the second time, Jen and I had been friends for about five years, I think at that point. Um, And uh, we actually decided to start dating that weekend before I came back to San Diego. And so our, our relationship started as a long distance relationship. Um, she was finishing up her degree at the University of Arizona, and I was starting SEAL training for the second time. And so even though it was difficult, I think it was a blessing in disguise because a lot of our relationship was going to be spent uh, apart. 
and definitely with an added dose of adversity. And so it gave us both, I think, the ability to kind of uh, get a snapshot of what that was going to look like. And, you know, I, I got to exchange a, a number of emails with Jen in, in setting this up and, and she's delightful. What, what a wonderful woman. And yeah. it really speaks to her credit that, you know, she, and she might not have known exactly what she was signing up for, but she, she was in it for the long haul and, and willing to, to sacrifice. And you too, I mean, that's, that, that makes it hard when you have uh, people far away that you love and, and don't get to see. And, and obviously you love the brothers and the team, but did you find that your faith in God and, and, and what was her background? I mean, was she, you know, going to church or was, did she have a Christian upbringing at that point? You know, she, she didn't, but it was kind of cool. My older brother worked with her at a bank in Tucson and he actually, uh, you know, was pretty intimate instrumental in leading her to Christ, they would go to church together. And so, um, you know, that, that was really helpful that, you know, we had that, uh, similarity, you know, when we got together, but now she, my wife didn't grow up in a Christian home. And, um, you know, um, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home, but, um, you know, I, I'm definitely grateful that we have that commonality and, you know, we've, we've both grown in our faith together and, uh, you know, at times too, to be honest, you know, that, that was definitely an era, area where I felt like at times I, I failed my wife and, you know, just was definitely not um, being the husband that, you know, I think God calls each and every one of us to be. In Ephesians, it says that we are to lay down our, our life for our wives like Christ did for the church. And when you look at that verse, and when you look at what Christ did for um, the church, he actually laid down his life he he was crucified he was killed for the church um and, and for you know uh for humanity um and, and so and when i looked at how i was living my life and you know how i was treating my wife at times it wasn't even wasn't even close um i you know and 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 that really led me you know really studying that and understanding just how you know how much i was failing um, really made me want to, you know, uh, re reevaluate kind of how I was uh, operating as a husband. And it, it ultimately made me want to get closer to God so that I could, you know, um, have him change me from the inside out and do something for me that I couldn't do for myself. And, you know, as I started to get closer to God, I noticed that I started to become a better husband and a better dad and a better friend. And, um, and that's, you know, uh, something that's so important to me. And it's something that I, I don't, you know, I know that not everybody wants to hear that. I know that it's not always the most popular thing, you know, when you're bold with your faith and you talk about it, but I just see so much brokenness out there. Um, I have so many friends that, and, and just acquaintances and folks I know and love and care about that are struggling with, with so many things. And I often, um, I found in my own life that when I, when my relationship with God is good, the byproduct of that is usually that my relationships with others are good. Um, and that, um, I'm less selfish. And I think that's one of the biggest driving factors in, uh, marriages that are in trouble and relationships are, that are in trouble. And, uh, you know, so if I get an opportunity to speak on it and, 
even air out some of my dirty laundry. I, I try to just because like we were talking before we got on the show, um, I know this life ain't about me. It will never be about me. And so if I can use some of, you know, my mistakes and some of my foolishness to, you know, bless somebody else or encourage somebody else, then so be it. And, and that's huge. Yeah. I, I think that you are just a stellar example of that. And I remember, you know, one time you said that one of the first things you did when, when you had this, this realization or, or this revelation is you, you apologized to Jen. Yeah. yeah. And, and was that change? And obviously we're always improving and changing every day, but did you see a, an immediate, you know, change in, in the dynamics or, or was it, you know, more gradual? I think it was definitely more gradual at that point in our marriage, we'd been married about 10 years, you know? And so you don't, you don't screw things up for 10 years and then ex- you don't screw things up for a year and then expect to, you know, launch this apology and have things change in an instant. I mean, it, it takes time. You have to be patient. Um, and one of the things, one of the biggest things that I realized when I came to this realization, it was at a, uh, it was at a Christian men's retreat, retreat called wild at heart, um, taught by uh, John Eldridge and the team there at wild at heart. Um, and, uh, you know, it was interesting because, you know, they, you know, they teach that we live in a world at war. Um, John 10, 10 says the thief has come to steal, kill and destroy. Um, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And, uh, First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind for your enemy, the devil prowls the earth like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And those are just a few scriptures that the Bible is loaded with scriptures that talk about this spiritual war that's raging on earth, um, you know, for the heart and soul of humanity and mankind. And I definitely was experiencing that in my life. And, um, and I really didn't know how to fend it off. I didn't know how to fight against it. And, um, and coming out of that, um, that men's retreat, which I highly recommend to anybody who wants to get closer to God and wants to um, develop a more kingdom oriented and big picture focus um, is that, man, I, I had so many things that I needed to humble myself, repent of and ask, ask my wife and others for forgiveness. And so it wasn't just my wife, man. I, I, I wanted to, you know, I needed to ask even my brothers if they, you know, tell them I was sorry for just some of the mean and stupid and foolish things that I'd said. Um, and that's one of the cool things that, you know, happens when you, when you come to that point of brokenness and humility, where you realize that you're not going to get it. You're not, that your, your way isn't really been very effective and what I'm doing here clearly isn't working that well. And I'm willing and open to, you know, to look at Lord, if you've got a better way, show it to me. And, uh, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm living proof that his way works better than my own. Amen, brother. I mean, that it's, that's such a powerful testimony. And when we swallow our pride it's, it's so liberating. I mean, it, it can be painful at first, you know, and, and scary, but I, I bet, you know, you felt just a huge weight off your shoulders and, and, and just strengthened when you did that. And yeah, how, how are things at home? Cause I mean, you know, you're, you're not in, 
in the Navy anymore, but you are, you're given so much of your time yeah. to so many different worthy causes, but how, how are things at home? How do you find time for your family, your, your wife, your daughters and, and the Lord? Yeah, no, I just make time for it, you know, and that was one, that was another thing that I had to learn how to kind of unpack and re restructure my life. And, and, you know, especially for, you know, you got, you know, fathers and husbands out there and you feel like this, you feel like this drive and like you're, your only your number one priority is to provide for your family and make sure that they have everything and so it drives us it drives us to work and work hard and work 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 and the other thing too is most of us place our identity in what we do right and so uh, we and we we tend to humans tend to gravitate towards what they do well so especially if you if you're doing something in your work or your career that you do well you're going to gravitate towards that and you know families you know and marriages and you know parenting can often get sticky and messy and so i think you know a lot of us we tend to gravitate towards where where we get praise and where we get validation and if that's not at home a lot, a lot of us will you know strive to build you know entrepreneurial empires or you know some you know impressive career or whatever it is and that was one of the things that i had done pack is God started working on my heart was, okay, Eli, where are you spending your time? Where you, where's your treasure at? Um, and you know, it was, it was just really cool is, is, uh, I started to refocus my priorities, you know, it definitely took some flexibility and, uh, there was definitely some adversity there as I started pulling away from, you know, my, my efforts at the time were largely rooted in entrepreneurship and building, you know, our, our small business. And as I started stepping away from that more and more and trying to focus more on my family and my marriage and stuff like that, I definitely saw, um, you know, my business, you know, suffer a little bit for sure, but, you know, I wouldn't trade it for, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, you know, we're in a, we've been in a really good place now for, you know, several years as a married couple. And it's one of the, and I give God the glory and the credit for it. And, um, we actually, a couple of weeks ago, Jen and I, we, we, uh, we led a small group at a, uh, at a marriage, uh, counseling, just retreated our church. It was just a one day thing, but, um, it was just really cool to see how far, you know, God has brought us. And, and one of the things that they taught in that retreat was, and this is one of the things that's been so, um, critical is, uh, that what they, what they call it in, in that, in that particular curriculum was going vertical with your marriage. Right. And I've noticed this in my marriage and in other people's marriages too. It's like, we tend to, and I know I did, I tend to keep my focus constantly on my wife and what she wasn't doing right, or how she wasn't behaving properly or where she, I felt she was letting me down or, you know, not, you know, bringing me joy or, or whatever it was. And I, what I realized was, is that when I took my eyes off of her and I started to put my eyes on Christ and be like, okay, God, show me my wife through your eyes, show me where I'm letting her down and show me what your standard is. Show me, you know, and it just, it changed every, the byproduct became that, you know, I started to love my wife more. I started to respect her more. I started to be able to, um, um, instead of getting angry or frustrated, I started to be able to, you know, have patience with her because my, my focus went vertical. 
I started focusing on, all right, God, you show me, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look at you instead of looking at her. And it's kind of, it's definitely unconventional, but man, it, it really helped and it really worked. And that's not to say that I'm the greatest husband of all time, because I know I'm not, but I'm just telling you that it really worked for me. And, um, you know, I, I highly recommend, I highly recommend, uh, others doing that as well. Well, thank you for, for being so candid and, and sincere. I, that, that again, speaks volumes about your character and, you know, you say you're not the best husband in the world, but you're definitely up there. I I'd say from, from what I've seen. And well, so I'm, I'm going, I'm going for most improved. That's, <laughs> that's <my goal. laughs> hey, that's, that's what we're all shooting for. And, you know, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, but there seems to be a, uh, a pattern in in your life of you know you 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 make it through hell week and uh you know the first time and, and then get get canned from the teams and then you go back better uh yep. you know and you know you marry this amazing woman and you know things aren't you know yep. all roses and then you come back stronger 100 and, 100% and and that's, that's why I, I like to speak openly on these things, because I realize there's a lot of men and women out there that are in the same boat in many ways, whether, whether it's professionally or personally that, that I found myself in. And, and this is, again, where I go back to the word and the scriptures. In, in James 1, 2, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. For it's the testing of your faith that breeds perseverance. And then it goes on to say, let perseverance continue so that you may become mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. And all of us want to become mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. But none of us want to consider it joyful when we're going through trials of many kinds. And so, you know, it's such, and I, and I know I'm really not even there yet. I still struggle when, you know, I'm walking through adversity. But at least I have the understanding and the knowledge to know now that, you know, if I'm ever going to become who God created me to be, and if I'm ever going to become mature, complete, and lacking in nothing, there's no way, there's no other way than to go through these trials of many kinds. And for me to actually flip my mentality when I'm walking through this stuff that, you know, I'm being prepared, I'm being forged, just like I was in the SEAL teams when I was running, you know, lifting logs or getting surf tortured or running with a boat on my head, that wasn't for, that wasn't just for misery. They were actually trying to prepare us for something. And, and I believe that, I believe that um, if, if we're, you know, in alignment and if, if we're following God, I believe that's how he uses adversity in our lives as well to prepare us for things. And I, I look at what I'm doing now in, in running for Congress and, it's it's the same it's the same thing i think a lot of what i've done and what god has the, the trials of many kinds that he's allowed me to go through um you know have been very uh instrumental in preparing me for what i'm doing now absolutely and you know i i love how you you talk so much about these uh these failures that that, that are really uh just comeback stories because you you have yeah. I've been so successful and, uh, you know, you, you talk about how, you know, the main concern when you got out of you know, the opportunity to be a seal the first time was being ranked so low by your peer evaluations. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you've talked about how, 
you know, not being selfish, you know, definitely helped you be a successful seal and be a successful husband. And in some of your, your campaign ads, you talk about how you're not a self-serving politician. And, and so, so what does a, a not self-serving politician like, or, or a selfless person like yourself, what, what does that entail? Well, I, I want to, you know, point out that I'm, I'm still flesh and blood like everybody else. I'm still a sinner and I still am selfish every single day. It's a fight. It, it's a fight to, you know, constantly try and put others first. But, um, you know, that I, I think that's often one of the biggest, one of the biggest differentiators between those who are truly become successful um, and those those who don't is learning that, like I said earlier, this life isn't about you. Once you come to the understanding, being a Christian, when you're a Christian, it's really, it's really easy to come to that. I think it's easy, easier to come to that uh, perspective that this life isn't about me. It's never been about me. And I think once, once you realize that it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of pressure off in many ways. You're not, you, you don't feel that you have to constantly compare yourself to everybody else. Like right now, for instance, I'm running for Congress. And, you know, even though it's a, it's a really, for a lot of people, it's a really big deal. And a lot of people put a lot of effort and money and resources into it. Um, I'm not super worried about, I'm not super worried about the outcome because I've given the outcome over already to God. And like, the, the reason I'm doing this is because I do feel like it's a calling. And if this is, if this is what God wants in my life, then, you know, he'll guide me, direct me, he'll open the door, he'll help me to find favor with the people I need to find favor with. And if he doesn't, even, you know, it's like, I win either way, because this isn't something I ever wanted to do anyway. And it's kind of a nasty world. But, um, but yeah, it's just the, the selfish, the selfishness part of it has been critical um, and just getting, you know, getting over myself. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, Brett, we live in, we live in the generation of the selfie, right? I think there were 18 people killed last, last year alone, or, or, you know, since the generation of the selfie began, um, you know, taking selfies and then like taking a selfie and falling into the grand Canyon or getting hit by a bus or whatever, whatever it is. I think we're very selfish people all of us. And I think it's a constant struggle, you know, to fight against that. And, uh, you know, I still struggle with it every day, but, um, but I think once we realize that this life isn't about us and we devote, trying to devote ourselves to something bigger in, in, you know, with a service mindset, whether it's, whether it's your faith or whether it's a, a charity or, or whatever it is, I think life just gets better because when you try and make it about you, even if you do have temporary success, you find that that's not fulfilling anyway. Right. Like so many, so many young men, for example, think that once they become a Navy SEAL per se, then they'll have made it. Then, then they will have, they will have arrived and everything will be just golden after that. And they'll never have any issues because you know, they've achieved what they wanted to achieve. And then the, the reality of it is, is they realize that that's not the case at all. They're just as broken. They, they, you know, now in ways they're even more, 
more disappointed because they've achieved what thought what they thought was going to make them happy and it didn't and now they're they're even more confused okay so now what do i have to do do, do what if i what if i'm a navy seal and i become a millionaire then then will then will everything be golden and hunky dory and life will be perfect and what you realize is no nope, it, it's it's not and i think it was blaise pascal a long time ago who said that uh, we all have a god-sized hole in our heart and we try and fill it up with everything under the sun and said something to that effect and, and and I definitely have tried to do that in my life and what I've come to realize is no matter what what I've achieved none of it fulfilled me and uh, the only thing that's really fulfilled me is by filling that God-sized hole in my heart with God. Man, that's, that's incredible. And, you know, it reminds me of, of what Jesus Christ saying, you know, whosoever shall find his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what, what you're talking about. One of the most impactful things that, that you've shared elsewhere, and I think his name was Instructor Tabor, who, who told you, you know, like when they said, hey, yeah, we're recommending you come back in a year. Uh, ended up, you know, being two years, but he said something like, don't worry about why it went wrong. Just make it right. Can you speak to that? Yeah. You know, and, um, I had a SEAL instructor who, when I got performance dropped in my first class, I was with Bud's class 242. And this was a post hell week performance drop. So it was extra brutal in that I'd gone through the hardest portion of SEAL training and then I'd been dropped from training and told that I was going to have to move halfway across the country and go uh, live on a ship and work on a ship and so obviously for a 22 year old for anybody that'd be hard for a 22 year old man that was really hard Um, but it was just really cool because he pulled me aside after right after I got performance dropped and he said hey look young man uh, don't let this define you don't let this own you you can do this come back you can make it. And, and that's one of the reasons I, I do podcasts like this is because I know I, I remember being that young man who was trying to, was trying to find my way and trying to figure out if I had what it took and, and it had all these questions that we have answers to. And, you know, this, the fact that this older guy that I looked up to so much that it achieved what I wanted to achieve, you know, took the time to encourage me I mean, it just meant the world and it's something 20 years later, almost I haven't forgot. And so that's why I do the, you know, these types of things, because I don't know how much time I have left on earth. I don't know what God has for me tomorrow, but I do know that one day I will, I do believe that one day I will stand before him and I will have to give an account for the life that I've led. And and I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You you did use what I gave you to bless other people and to encourage other people. And if, and if that's if that becomes my reality, then it won't matter how many times I failed. You know, it, it, it'll just uh, it, it'll be worth my you know my legacy will be what I want it to be. Absolutely. And, and, and you don't rest on your laurels either because you've already done more uh, for the, the well-being of mankind than the vast majority of the population. And yeah, I, I love that you're, you're still you know, upping the ante. I mean, you're, you're going harder to, to help people. And, and that is really admirable. So what 
made you decide to run for Congress? Because you know, that, like you said, that's uh, a whole another ball game than than going to war. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was many things. I've been I've been since I got out of the Navy in 2014, and even when I was in, I've been watching the direction of the country and and understanding history and how this country started. And then our founding fathers wanted we the people to have the power. Um, that's why they gave us a constitution, a bill of rights. It's why they um, structured the government the way they did with checks and balances, you know, basically a three-pronged government um, to make it hard to get things done, to make it hard to make changes to um, this government that they hoped would um, be able to prevent us against tyranny because they they knew they they all knew history they knew that that's typically how governments typically tend to go right because going back to that selfishness piece that we talked about and so many of us that we we want we want power and we want you know we want fame and money and and all these things that the world tells us will make us happy and unfortunately some people never figure it out and so you know um, as I'm watching this country. Um, just, you know, the trajectory of this country going away from um, what our founders had in mind and what they had created, um, I just became more and more concerned um, that this country was going to implode from within. We were going to be destroyed from within. And, um, you know, as somebody who's fought for this country, um, as somebody who's lost very close friends who died for this country and something much bigger than themselves. As a dad who has young young kids, I wanna see, I wanna make sure that the sacrifices made for this country aren't in vain and that it lives on. And I also wanna make sure that my kids grow up with opportunity and freedom. And, and I don't wanna see them be censored. I want, the, I want them to continue to have freedom of speech. I don't want my kids to be judged by the color of their skin. I, I want them to be judged on the content of their character, like Martin Luther King said, right? And that's not the direction that this country is going. And, and as, as I just watch and I study, uh, you know, it just, uh, it dawned on me that we don't have much time left if we don't have more men and women of courage and character step up and embed themselves with the help of others, obviously, in key and influential places. And so I, I'm, I, I happen to be at a spot in my life where um, I could make a serious run at, at um, you know, something like Congress. And so that's, that's why I'm doing it. And honestly, um, it's tough. It's tough as a dad with, with two kids because it, if, if the people of Arizona Congressional District 2 send me to Washington, D.C., I will be gone from my kids all the time. I'll spend most, you know, most of the week in Washington, D.C., and then I'll be flying back, and then I'll have to drive around the, one of the biggest districts in the country. And that's a lot of sacrifice right there. And But there's a part of me, too, that looks at the situation and just how bad it's becoming. And I got to say to myself, the reality is, is that, well, I may be home with my kids, but are they going to have anything worthwhile anyway, if enough of us don't go try and turn this thing around? And so 
it, that that that's that's been a big big part of it for me and i could go i could go into all the key issues that are you know hot button issues for me but ultimately i feel like i'm watching rome burn i'm watching the destruction of the us from the inside and that's something that has never been nor will ever be okay with me well thank you for for not giving up you know with after the uh quote unquote election results because you know, i i believe that the election was stolen and you know like i said i'm, I'm here in western washington and my folks, uh, they they said we're we're not staying here. And they they moved to Texas, uh, where where there is a little bit more semblance of, of freedom. And you know, we we live in a place where my wife's from, her family's here, and I, I've I've got a good job, but it, it's hard. And I thought, you know, why should I have to move? Because I'd be happy to live with other people, but these other people with, with different views don't seem to want to reciprocate that, that goodwill. Um, right. So I think that's so important that you are not ceding that territory and not just giving up and say, Oh, it's, it's a lost cause because I think they're trying, you know, the, the powers that be, they're trying to get us to be discouraged and, and to despair. We see a, a lot of service men and women, you know, getting kicked out of the military because they, they don't want to uh, get a vaccine. We're seeing people, uh, police officers and, and first responders and, and teachers and all these people in, in key uh, spots and they're not get, being given any room, but you know, it's important to not give up. And I'm so glad that you're you're doing this. So what are a, a couple of the big issues? Obviously you're in Arizona, so border security is huge. So what's, what's that look like for you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm glad you brought it up, but election integrity is a, is my number one issue. Um, I, I believe that we have massive fraud in our elections right now. And, you know, that, that's something that if you even go back a couple of years, that's really not even a partisan issue. I know that right now you've got a bunch of conservatives and Republicans that are complaining and screaming about it, but it wasn't. But a couple of years ago, you know, that uh, Democrats were screaming about Russian interference in our election and uh, several key senators like Elizabeth Warren, I think it was Klobuchar and at least one other uh, actually did it, had, had a uh, investigation in their committee done and actually wrote a paper on uh, how uh, vulnerable like many of our voting machines were to fraud. These are prominent democratic senators, right? And so this is something that, <clears throat> and here's, I think it's important that I make the point that I would rather my candidate lose than um, win knowing that, you know, questioning the result and whether or not it actually reflected the will of the people because Democrat, independent, Republican, regardless of which, where you stand, if we no longer elect our individuals, it just really comes down to who can cheat the best. And we're, we've become no better than a third world banana Republic at that point. And so I want the will of the people to be reflected. If we are going to have a country and a government that's of, for, and by the people, then their will needs to be reflected in our elections. And furthermore, you, you see this 
right? You saw this um, recently in Georgia, you saw the Democratic Party, and it's uh, obviously I'm partisan, I'm a, I'm a Republican, and it sounds like I'm just beating up on the Democratic Party, but seriously, you saw the Democratic Party um, try and racialize voter ID, try and make it about race, you know, whether or not people should have to have voter IDs. And it just, to me, it just stinks to high heaven because there's nowhere else in the country where having an ID to buy alcohol or cigarettes or a movie tickets or your, you know, your, your football tickets, you know, at, at roll call where you have to have an ID, it's never, it's never racial. And it just goes to show, you know, what the intention is. And, um, you know, and I could go really deep into, you know, some of the, some of the things I've learned in studying the results of the 2020 election and some of the investigations. I don't know that this is necessarily the platform for it. All I can say is, is that our elections are in massive trouble. Um, they're in massive trouble. And uh, if, if, if you don't, if you don't believe me, if you haven't seen enough investigation or evidence yet, please tune into Dinesh D'Souza's next documentary that we'll be launching in April. It's called 2000 Mules. Uh, some friends and folks that I know personally were at the epicenter of that investigation. And um, it's, it's mind blowing what that investigation uncovered. And it's, it's one of, it's one of many investigations um, that has shown um, that there is corruption, fraud, and even um, what I would say, uh, many, many things in our elections have been loosened to create the opportunity for fraud as well. Like we have voting rolls that aren't purged. You have dead people voting, people that no longer live in the state voting. You have all sorts of things going on in our elections. And I'm asking Americans on every side of the aisle, please let us, let us get together, let us come together and let's, let's tighten up our elections so that we know, who, regardless of who gets elected, that, hey, that, we don't have to fight anymore about, about you know, who's, who's elected, whether they got elected fairly or not. We, we all have confidence in it. And so that's something that I'd love to see. Obviously, you talked about the border. That's massively important. You know, fiscal responsibility. We have $30 trillion in debt. That's a huge problem. It, it, you know, and it's like, uh, that's one of the reasons I think it's important that business owners run for Congress and for uh, places of influences, be, because in business, you can't just print money. If you have a bad month or a bad quarter or a bad year, you, you can't just print money. You have to figure it out. And right now we have 30 trillion in debt. And if you watched um, our elected officials on Capitol Hill continue to print money like it's going out of style, you wouldn't know that we have a, a budgetary problem. You wouldn't know that we had $30 trillion in debt. You wouldn't know that we have, you know, 30, 40 year high inflation. Cause you know, if you keep printing money and you don't have and that money that you're printing is chasing fewer and fewer goods and services because the goods and services aren't increasing with that um, increase of, of money, it, it causes inflation, right? And so your dollar is worth less. And so, you know, there's, there's so many things that, that um, you know, are on my platform. I'm an America first candidate, but I'll tell you this, um, you know, the, the, the biggest reason I'm running is because I, I think the biggest problem that we have is that we don't have enough 
candidates with courage and character who are willing to do the right thing when it's going to cost them. And that's, that's when it might cost them. That's, that's, that's the key for me. When you're looking at myself or any other candidate out there, look for somebody that will do the right thing when they believe it might cost them. If you find that you can, you can get around a lot of the policy stuff, but in my opinion, we're in the spot that we are in a country because we don't have enough of those candidates because if you think that you're going to send somebody to the Senate or the House and they're all of a bit, all of a sudden going to grow some morality while they're there, some principle while they're there, you're out of your mind. They're already in the swamp. They're in the swampiest place on earth where there's more power, more corruption, you know, more ways, six ways to Sunday they can bribe you. You know, if you don't have um, a strong moral compass before you go there you're, you're going to be like everybody else. And so that's really why I'm running because is with as many flaws and errors uh, that I've made. And the fact that I'm a sinner each and every day, I've become a lot better as I've gotten older in life. Like I said, of not trying to make it about me and understanding that one day I will meet my maker. And uh, I want to make sure that um, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, doing what I can to live a purpose-driven life and, and to honor him. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I like what you said about, you know, having a moral compass before, you know, you, you get to the spot where you need it. And it makes me think, you know, uh, also in James, uh, in, in one, five and six, it talks about, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, you know, but let him ask in faith, nothing doubting for he who doubts is like a wave on the sea that's tossed to and fro by, by every wind of doctrine. I think that's true. And, you know, we don't know everything, but, and I'm sure you and I there have lots of questions and we can't answer every theological question, but we have zero doubts. You know, we, we, we don't know it, the meaning of everything, but we do know that God loves us. Yeah. And I think that having that foundation is so key because, you know, we know that God can always bring beauty for ashes, you know, and, and as bad as things are, it's not irredeemable because if it was, I mean, why would we even try? And, and so I'm, I'm glad that you are at the the forefront uh, of this fight. And, you know, it's, it's too bad because I think there's so much animosity and we're as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that, that we do have to love our, our enemies and we do have to pray for those who despitefully use us and, and I don't think we see that uh, on on the other side a lot, and I think that's one of our greatest strengths. So, how how do you balance that? How because you know we talk about yeah, I mean we're seeing a lot of bad stuff coming from the left, uh, and and we're seeing a lot of bad stuff coming from you know people like the Republicans in name only. So yeah. how how do you still love these people who? you know, for whatever reason, are tearing down the truths and values that you and I embrace? Well, I think it's a good point you bring up. It is, it is difficult, um, you know, sometimes. Um, but I, uh, I try and one of the, my prayers in this, in this has been that 
um, you know, God will help me to focus on my posture and not on an outcome. Because I think once we start focusing on outcomes, um, you start to be willing to do whatever it takes to achieve that outcome. And if you're just focused on your posture, like, hey, this is what this is what I want my posture to be. I want my posture. And trust me, I fail at this all the time. Okay, but this is how I balance it is trying not to focus on the on the outcome of the situation and trying to focus on not becoming something I hate in the process. Like I guarantee you there's, you said you had Joe Kent on your show. Joe Kent, in my opinion, is one of the few guys that would actually even do a show like this. Most, most political candidates would never do a show like this because they can't hand you the questions. They, they can't say, this is all I'm willing to talk about. I'm surely not going to talk about my faith. I'm most certainly not going to talk about anything I've screwed up because I'm supposed to be this high and mighty, you know, leader that you put on a pedestal. Right. Um, and so it's just focused on, I just try and focus on my posture and not becoming something I hate. And, and it, it is hard. It, it is, it is really hard. And it's something I struggle with all the time, but um, and I also try and remember that, you know, regardless of whether, you know, whether I think this person or this opponent is, is good in, in politics or good in a leadership position or even deserves the opportunity, I try and remember that they are children of God as well. And I think that that is, you know, that's something that, it, you know, no matter who it is, if we can remember that and go back to that, um, I, I think it helps with, you know, trying to love them as well. That's powerful. Thank you. What a, what a great response. So my, my next question is, how have you seen God's hand in your life recently because we've seen so many miracles i mean if you hadn't been on the uss gettysburg you know when you were you probably wouldn't have met jen and uh he's he's always been there you know they say the devil's in the details but actually god is in the details and he's he's over everything so what have what have you seen recently that you could share you know in in this in this uh in this stage of my life i've just seen a lot of favor um, and I've seen a lot of mountains move that I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to move them. I knew, I knew I couldn't move them with my own strength. Um, and so I have just seen a lot of favor and a lot of doors open that I couldn't have opened on my own. And so I believe that that's often the byproduct of walking with God. Not that, not that the adversity will be removed, but, um, that you will see, um, you will see a path cleared. You will see doors open you will see favor where there needs to be favored so that you can, you know, um, you know, become who God wants you to be. Um, and, and so that's, that's really what I've seen along the way. It just, when you're doing something like this, what, what I'm doing now, um, so many things need to line up. <clears throat> so many people need, there, there's so many different areas of support that you need. And I've just seen God, um, really give us favor in each and every one of those and so i would say just the if i had to boil it down to one word that word would be favor that's beautiful and uh, you you talked a lot about how you know overcoming the you know the natural man the you know the tendency uh to to be 
selfish. It's an, an everyday fight and you're getting really good at it. I mean, taking on the challenges you are, I mean, you, and you're clearly uh, not a selfish person, even though you are in a lot of positions where you could be, you know, as a successful businessman now as a, a blossoming politician. I mean, like you could really take advantage of that for your own self-interest and you're not doing that, but for people, you know, who might have no experience or little experience being selfless on a grand scale, what are some, you know, exercises for lack of a, a better term that they could do right now to be a little bit more selfless? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I think going back, you know, I've talked a little bit about legacy. Um, you know, in the Bible, it says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And um, the, I often think about, you know, uh, because that's where, that's my authority. What, okay, what is what does man say about this? Okay, what does God say about this? You know, and um, because because that's my ultimate authority, um, I'm all. I, I try and think about okay, what would God have me do here? Whether it's in my marriage, and I talked about you know God has a lot to say about a lot of things. We don't often turn there to listen or to read what He has has said or has to say, but He He's He's spoken on you know, most of the things, pretty much everything you're going to run into out there. And, uh, and, and so, you know, and, and yeah, I, I think that, you know, as I draw closer to God and I study, I study his word more and I've changed even the con a lot of the content, whether it's music or, um, you know, podcasts or, you know, what, whatever it is in my life, I've noticed that the byproduct of that has been, um, definitely not perfect clearly but it is you know it's been um, more selfless and because like I said when, when you understand the story that you live in when you understand the gospel and you understand that the story isn't about you it's never been about you it, it, it you know it was about um, you know obviously we're we're a part of it create you know God created us for fellowship with him but um you know, he, he came and he died on the cross for each and every one of us. And we get to make the choice whether we accept him or not. Um, you know, and, and when I understanding that story that we live in and, and that he is coming back one day, um, it, it, at least in my religion and in my faith, it, it makes it really easy to become, you know, more selfless when you know it's not about me. It's not about this congressional race. It's not about my car. It's not about what house I live in. But the way I see it, it it's it's about um, service, and you know how many other how many other people can I point in in that direction? Um, and and when I screw up, because I do all the time, am I capable of humbling myself, taking ownership of it, apologizing, and um, yeah, reflecting reflecting Christ in that way? So, you know. Um, those are those are a couple of things that that I look at, and uh, I <clears throat> I think that that's I think that sometimes we we have gifts and talents and abilities 
and um, you know, I've always kind of been a big hearted person that loves a lot of people. Um, and so a lot of it comes, a lot of that type of stuff comes easy to me and put it, you know, put, putting others first comes easier to me than it some does to some others. But that doesn't mean that there's things I struggle with that some people don't have any problems with whatsoever. And so for me, it, it's just, you know, um, loving, trying to love people, respect them, you know, be, be of service and not make, try and make things about me all the time. Um, it's, it's something that's important to me. And I think that we get good at whatever we practice. And so, you know, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, even, even when I'm hanging out with friends, I try not to talk about myself that much and what I'm doing, or even if it's something that, that I think is cool and other people might think is cool. Sometimes my friends don't even know that I'm doing it because I don't want to make, I don't want to make my relationship with you or our interaction about, you know, about me. What are you, what are you doing? you know, what's going on in your life. So, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's so humble. And I mean, you, you would have every right to talk, talk about the awesome stuff you're doing because you've done so many, you know, cool things, but I, I think that's super admirable. And, and you said, you know, you're a big hard person. You, you love lots of people. Well, lots of people love you too, man. You know, me, me included. Yeah, absolutely. I, that, man. I really do. It means a lot. And thanks for what you're doing, man. Cause you know, um, you know, it, this is a good example for people. You, you just stay resilient. You keep using the skills, talents, and abilities that God has given you to bless other people, to encourage other people, to shine perspective, you know, other various perspective, you know, on him. And, uh, he, he will bless, he will bless it. And, uh, you know, and ultimately when you get, you know, to that judgment day, you know, you'll hear the same, the same thing I'm hoping to hear. So I appreciate it, man. I actually got to go to an event right now, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Thank, thank you for the time, brother. And, hey, uh, I thank hope, you. I hope whoever li listened to this, it wasn't a waste of your time. No, not at all. Thank you so much. And, and God bless you, man. We'll put up uh, links to you I, I, on the, in the show notes so we can get everyone out, you know, buying bottle breachers, you know, donating to your campaign and, and voting for you. So God bless you and God bless your family. Thank you, brother. Appreciate Thanks. it. Bye, Eli. Later, bro. And with that, Eli has left the building. So until next time, this has been Brett. And Eli Crane, out.